Welcome to another episode of The Bottle Guys. My name is Rick Kleinert, and I'm joined here in studio with Jerry Hollinger. Jerry, how are you? Well, I usually say fantastic, but kind of have mixed feelings today. Awesome. No lying today. Let's go. Well, you know, yesterday at church, heard a fantastic sermon. And if I were the kind of person that took notes, I'd, I would have written down at least five things I really wanted to remember. Mm-hmm. It was excellent, done, excellently done. Um, really used the passage well. In fact, today I've been thinking about it all day, just going through to my mind um, what I learned about that particular text. But then before I came here, so that is like just been a highlight. Yeah. But before I came here, I was at a different church. Okay. Which I won't name. All right. And I am just so irritated and frustrated. And as you know, we're getting near Easter, I guess. I don't even know when Easter is. I I really this sounds horrible. I really don't care. Mm. I, I hate man-made holidays. And, um, this is one of the reasons. So at the church, they got their, got their little crosses up. And then at the, at the base of the cross at one of them, there's a basket of eggs. Okay. And then there's another cross sitting next to that is an Easter bunny that is like twice the height of the cross. And it's like, you know, I just wanted to burn the place down. I mean, this this, <laughs> this syncretism is just driving me nuts. Oh, okay. And I'm just extremely irritated with that. So I have a lot of mixed emotions right now. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I'm okay with the church because we're, we're doing an Easter party for this, the community in, in our church. I'm okay with those kind of things, except for the let's cover all the bases in our display. So we've got, you know, the Easter bunny hanging on a cross, kind of weird, uh, or near a cross. You know, that kind of stuff is, is weird, but... It hasn't pushed me toward arson quite yet, but oh, I, man. I'm with you. I'm just struggling. Yeah. Okay. No, I, but I understand you uh, were at a um, conference this weekend. Yeah. At a, at a different church than this one. Yeah, I was asked to uh, speak at the DNAL conference in Yakin County. Hmm. A lot of youth pastors, and uh, I know some of those youth pastors, and they said that it started over breakfast one day. They said, we want to create a conference for the youth of our area for people to come to. So it was great. They, um, I'm not sure what the final number was. It was a big, good group, of, good group of kids who came on Friday night and then Saturday, all day Saturday. Vertical worship was there, so I got to hang out with them. Kind of felt like a big dog for a minute. Then I had to remember, uh, you're, 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 you're not this cool. Um, so hey, I, they were the warm-up for you. Right. Yeah, well, I came in dressed in my old my dad. I'm, I'm, I'm full-on dad gear, and I'm like, man, I should have worn my skinny jeans. No, but it was, uh, it was good. Glad it was you good. didn't. I am too. It was a great time. They did plug the Bible guys there. Uh, we had an Ask Me Anything nice. session at the end where they just asked questions. And even the, the, uh, the youth pastor who interviewed me is a Bible guys listener, and he said, hey, I know you're usually the sidekick. <laughs> Right, and I'm like, even here, even here, <laughs> even when I'm headlining, even when I got vertical worship opening, <laughs> yeah, no. Hulliger sitting at home, and, and you're he, the main man. You're still, you're still. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. But no, it was, it was fun. It was a good time, and That's I really great. want to thank all the youth pastors and all the churches uh, representing the dean now in Yakin County. Did a great, great job, guys, and uh, hope to send some kids your way next year. So that's exciting stuff. Good deal. All right, so we got a question today, and Jerry. You're going to ruin Christianity for some people today. Wow! Why? Why? What is, I just what is going that, on I just, here? Well, what you we talked about we're, the question we're going to get, the question we're getting to today. This is a sacred cow to some people because it's a verse that's right in the middle of what we commonly call the Romans Road. Oh, the venerable Romans Road. Right. So you're going okay. to lay a pothole in the Romans Road today. Cool. All right. So what's going on? What is our question today? 
Well, basically, um, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in or through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the question basically is, is that a gospel verse? Is that verse meant for Christians or is it meant for non-Christians? So I'm going to, what if I said, well, yeah, it's a gospel verse. It's got the gospel in it, eternal life through Christ. Then I'd say you're wrong. All right, let's tell me why. Well, how many reasons do we have time to give? We just got started, buddy. You got all the time in the world. All right. Well, let me just throw out three things here people should keep in mind generally by way of interpretation. Number one, you always want to follow the context, the flow of the context. Number two, you always want to beware of connecting words and conjunctions with which most verses start. And then third, you want to be aware that terms are used differently in the Bible, so we can't always use a, assume a technical sense to this. So I think when we, we look at the verse from those kinds of angles, my opinion is it is to Christians, it is not to non-Christians, therefore it's not a gospel verse. In fact, I would say it really seems out of place as a gospel verse. I'm glad you brought that up because some people are listening to this and are saying, oh, you don't believe this contains um, a, the gospel or, or something to do with the gospel. Really what you're saying is this, this text was written not to non-Christians, it was written to Christians. Exactly right. Rather than it be something to, to be—I mean, it could be used, but it's not, not, Paul's intention was not to be used— in a presentation to an unbeliever. Yeah, I think at best one could say, you know, you could find a principle here that you could apply differently. But what happens when we tend to do that is then we say, okay, I'll keep using this as a gospel verse. Mm -hmm. And like we mentioned last time, we basically gagging God when it comes to this verse. Right. Because then we're not seeing what was actually intended here. And um, again, I, I I just feel the evidence of this, though I know it's not popular would really be uh, addressing believers. Okay, so let's walk through the context of the passage. Let's look at the literary context. Where and why, how does Paul use this passage? Well, without getting into too much detail, I think the, the context really goes back to five one, mm. And before that, Paul had talked about the gospel. He had talked about how people were under the wrath of God, how people had suppressed the truth of creation, how God had given up the human race, that everybody was under the power of sin. And then he talks about the remedy in terms of justification, and he goes into grace and redemption and propitiation and all of these other things. But then when he gets to chapter 5 in verse 1, he says, Therefore, you people, you Romans, having been justified by faith, you have peace with God. Um, The war is over between you and God. And so in 5.1, he has now established the point that, I mean, I think, I think they were saved before this, but in terms yeah. of the argument of what the gospel is, he's now asserting that you are in a justified position. Mm-hmm. And from that point onward, you know, he's addressing them as saved people. And if I can even then jump to Romans 6, there, there is no question here as to their position. He tells them in in as he starts in 1, 2, and 3, that they have died to sin, mm-hmm. they've been buried with Christ, they've been raised to walk in newness of life. Um, so he, he's using all of that kind of language. He tells them then as they are to apply this, that they are not to let sin reign in their mortal bodies. He then goes into the fact that 
everybody's a servant of something. You're either going to serve righteousness or you're going to serve unrighteousness. And that's the flow of thought until he comes to verse 23. And it seems rather odd to me that he will all of a sudden just throw in here, hey, by the way, here's how you get saved. Right. That has nothing to do with what he's saying. Right. And again, I uh, we're, we're going through a series right now at our youth group. Um, it's taken from the book, Share Jesus Without Freaking Out. And in it, he talks about it's not a formula. I mean, you can use things, but I'll be honest with you. I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of the, I think it's an easy format to follow. It's good to learn. It's kind of like, it helps you a little bit. I'm not a big fan of just using the Romans road, if you want to use that term, as a, that's how, that's the only thing you are able to share the gospel with. It's because some people come from a different context Yeah, and they would look, and if you say, hey, let me walk you through this. Well, wait a minute, I don't, that's not helping me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's, we just talked about it last week, every culture has a context. We have these different contexts we're in, and we need to look for the context clues that we're finding. So, for example, when Paul was in front of Athens, he looked around and saw that they were religious people. But that that presentation of the gospel wouldn't have fit somewhere else, where there's pagan, no gods, no idolatry whatsoever. And so I uh, I would agree. I, I prefer, there's other ways I go about it of of building from my presentation of the gospel, I, I, I start with the base, but really the Romans road is not something I've used for a while. Yeah. And if people would insist, I've got to have a Romans road, okay. well, reconstruct it yeah. and get the right verses in there Yeah, because there's plenty in Romans mm-hmm. that talks about man's lostness and sinfulness and, and et cetera. And the other point I would make about 623 is, you know, we've kind of hit the context you know, he is talking to them and their responsibility now as believers to choose to serve righteousness and not unrighteousness. And then verse 23 is really a summary of his argument. Uh, when he says for, that's kind of a summarizing conjunction yeah. in which he's tying together now everything he said in six. And then I think what really troubles people is when he uses these life-death terms and what we need to realize is that not only does Paul, but also does Jesus and James and the Old Testament, they use the terms life and death differently, not as technical terms always referring to heaven or hell. Yeah. So what's so you've you've set the we've set the groundwork. What is going on here? What would this be? He is he saying because I'm I'm seeing the passage where he says four. I'm reading the HCSB. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And the HCSB says, in Christ Jesus, our mm-hmm. Lord. Um, so we see that. It's a sum up. It's because of all this. This is the truth. Yeah. Because of all that. Here's what we're, just to wrap it all up. When, when you sow to the flesh, death. There you go. When you sow to the spirit, eternal life. Yeah. So kind of unpack that for, for our listeners. Well, I think that, let's start with death. Uh, again, if you look at the term death throughout the Bible, it doesn't always refer to spiritual death or going to hell or anything like that. And I think the sense here is that death pays the wages of sin. If you're going to choose to serve sin, you're going to receive the deadly consequences of that as a Christian. And he, you know, he's already told them again, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Don't sin like you used to. If you do, that's going to have deadly consequences. And those could be very temporal. Uh, since I'm not retired yet, I can't go into great details other than to say, you know, I've experienced in my life 
the deadly consequences of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have experienced them physically. Um, sin has consequences physically. It has consequences in terms of lost opportunities. It has consequences in terms of um, uh, God's discipline. In some cases, the discipline of death. So if these believers choose to serve unrighteousness, which we can do, then that's going to have consequences for you. Um, You're not going to hell. Paul is very clear that our salvation is secure, but there are going to be consequences, deadly ones, in terms of your spiritual life, your, your, your Christian life, possibly your physical life, if, as a Christian, you choose to serve sin, and we see this play out all the time yeah, in people's marriages and homes, and, and on and on it goes. Well, and I think it parrots again. It, it parrots, for me, that verse that I have up in my classroom, my offices, where 1 Timothy 4.16, you keep a close watch on yourself yeah, and the teaching. Yes. Persevere in those things, for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. That's not talking about salvation. Exactly right. That's talking about saving them from the consequences of of disobedience. Yes. The physical, spiritual, emotional consequences of it. Um, As you mentioned earlier, I was sharing um, with the the teens in Yakinville, and uh, one of the questions they asked were about dating. And uh, the the response that got overwhelming support was, I said, guys, I'm not against dating. I'm against dumb dating. And dumb dating is pretty much seen in every type of middle school and high school relationship. Now, as soon as I say that, I'm sure there's a listener that says something to the effect of, well, my grandma got married to her high school sweetheart, and they were married. That's great. But they were also like, by the, when your grandmother and great-grandmother were in high school or middle school, they already had like a full-time job. All right, so let's yes. just be, they already were a foreman on the machine shop. Right. So there's a difference than that than today. Um, I tell them, I say, guys, you, to, to date at such early ages, even in high school, you are doing, you have a better chance of emotional damage than anything else. Mm. You're just saying, why would you, if I said, hey, guys, I have this, op- there's this thing you could do, or I, if I give you this pill and you take it, and it's going to cause, it could go well for you, or it could cause emotional damage would you take it? No, it's too risky. It's like the Russian roulette. A lot of the dating that's done in middle school and high school is like Russian roulette dating. Yeah. Why, why do that? Why not wait until you can, I mean, you're not even, your brain's not even fully developed yet until you're 25. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that I'm sounds like, insulting. Well, I, well I'm, I was married at 24, so I was like one year away from fully Old developed brain. brain. Yeah, and so <laughs> you really can't hold me accountable. No, no, and I've been married 20 years. That's great, but there are people who, I mean, you, you can't, why why date definitely middle school? What a dumb thing to do. So so there's consequences. Yeah. And so we do see that all the time in, in choices we make. They do bring consequences and and often negative ones. We you and I both will say we, we still have scars for I know it. stupid stuff we did post Christian in our lives. We're still wearing them. I mean, I still have habits I'm trying to break. Yeah. I'm about ready to die, you know, and I'm <laughs> I'm close to dying and I'm still trying to break these habits that were caused years and years and years ago. And, um, you know, this is one of my big hangups with um, missing what a verse is actually saying. We need to hear as Christian people that sin has these kinds of consequences. We don't, we play too fast and loose with stuff. And, you know, if we just pass as, oh, yeah, this is another gospel verse. Wait a minute, then you've just missed one of the key things you need to remember 
in living the Christian life. And I, in fact, today, there, there was a temptation that arose in my life. This was the first thing that came to my mind. This is going to have consequences. Yeah. And, um, you know, thank God for this truth in Romans 6.23. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just very sensitive about that. And then— Well, before we go to the, to the good yeah. part, the death part again, I think you're right. We need to hear this because we have this idea that, hey, I'm a Christian. I can never lose my salvation. And we sense that as that's the big thing. And yes, that is ultimately, you don't want to go into a Christless eternity. But because we magnify that, we forget that, no, sin could sin hurts. Sin hurts you. It hurts others. So when I, add, right. I would say the wages of sin is death. It's not, yeah, it could cause you irreparable harm. It could cause those around you irreparable that's harm. That's right. Pastor Kivett, our senior pastor, just a few weeks ago, um, we were talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, he preached on the passage on adultery, and he meant he he brought out the document he wrote one time where he said, if I ever commit adultery, this what this is what happens. And then he mentioned all the things it does. Right. He mentioned it destroying his family, right. destroying his boys, destroying the church, the gospel witness, the effects it would have on other men like myself and the other pastors. And he says, that's that's key. Yeah. He said, some we could look at it and go, yeah, my salvation, I still have that, great. Yeah, but look at all the dest- destruction you did. It would be like dropping an atomic bomb on an area and then finding a, finding some piece of like a shard left and go, hey, I still have that. Yeah, yeah but you just destroyed everything yeah. because you made a dumb decision. That's a great illustration. And, excuse me, not only the temporal damage that you've mentioned, but if we want to sweeten the pot more, we could even throw this out into the eschaton. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of Christians, again, have the mentality, oh, I'm saved. That's pretty much the end of it. Well, the decisions we make in this life are going to affect really our eternal position in God's kingdom. So we are going to be evaluated Mm -hmm. by Christ on what we have done, what we have not done. And, um, you know, that's a sobering truth. Yeah. So I think that's involved, too. Yeah, C.S. Lewis says the place where eternity touches time is in the present. Yeah. We, we affect, we, we affect, we can affect the eternal destiny of others. Yeah. Sobering thought. Do you know, this just came to mind, um, maybe we can talk about this in another podcast, but you mentioned um, the consequences of, like, adultery or sexual mm-hmm. sin. One of, the letter, one of the seven letters in Revelation promises the one who overcomes sexual temptation will be greatly rewarded in the kingdom. It's like, I remember I preached that. I remember it was like 20 years ago. And this, one of the elders in our church came up and said, uh, you know, he was really struggling with that. And I said, Hey, join, join the club. Right. You know, it's like, did you think you're going to shock me? But that yeah. that's unusual. Yeah. Um, but he said, I never saw this, that there is a, a reward promised by Christ uh, for those who battle this and don't give into it, mm-hmm. so I was like, "Man, that was that was really interesting." Yeah, and I like this is another episode we could do, but there's the word battle when yeah. you, like there's there's fighting. I've heard I think John Piper's story on this was great. He has an illustration. We'll get into it in that podcast where he talks about. I want to see your scars. Some of you guys, he says, you're says you're battling, you're you're fighting this, but there are no scars. He goes, "I want to see your scars. If you're battling in it, but." How are you battling it? Well, I'm giving in. You're not battling it if you're giving in. You're losing. Yeah. You're not fighting. There's that, a difference. That's great. That side of it. And also that I never like to use the word victory. No. I, I just despise that word yeah. from experience. 
And I, that's why I like that word battle. Yeah. It is a fight. You're going to get scars. You're going to get a bloody nose occasionally. Yep. But yeah, you keep battling. I think that pleases God. Sometimes I think that pleases God more than he is displeased by our failures. Yeah. We can't have victory this side of eternity. No. Because again, it's that verse in 1 Corinthians 15, death wears your victory, grave wears your sting. Well, right now at our funerals, that's when victory is. We don't have victory now. We have victory in the end. We're battling now. We're fighting now. The victory is assured, hundred percent. But we may we're not seeing it now. We're yeah. seeing we're seeing the fight now. I like uh, I can't remember the man's name, but he preached the sermon for Charles Spurgeon's funeral, and one of the statements he made was that Spurgeon had now put down his sword. Yeah, it's like oh man, I love that. That's a good one. Can't wait for the day. All right, so let's look at the positive aspect of this. So he said we, the the wages of it is death. But the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That that sounds gospel. Yeah, it sounds rather odd. Um, no question, eternal life is a gift. However, once we are given the gift of eternal life through faith, um, it is a gift with potential. It is a gift that we live out. It is a gift that has quality to it. It is a gift in which we can grow in our experience of it. Uh, John develops this brilliantly in his gospel, where at the beginning of the gospel, you know, he'll indicate, hey, this is a gift you receive. But then he, te- he begins teaching his disciples even more precisely throughout that growth in eternal life, uh, the quality of eternal life is dependent on how they abide in him, how they obey uh, his commandments. So it's a dynamic thing, which is why Paul said earlier in Romans 6 that we have been raised to newness of life. And that's a life in which we need to walk now and realize the potential of it. Much like Paul told Timothy in the first his first letter to Timothy, lay hold of it. Yeah. Lay hold of eternal life. The eternal life. And, it's, and sometimes we see the word eternal and we think, oh, heaven. Yeah. We get that. We'll gain that. Well, the, that Greek word is very important. That Greek word, like you said, I believe you said it this way, that it's it's describing quality. Yes. It's describing the quality of something as, as lasting. So it's kind of like, it's like what, what you said uh, the, the what was it the passage Paul says would bodily exercise profit a little, but this stuff here has right. the stuff here the cont- integrity and the holiness has both in this life benefits in this life, life to come. and in the life to come. So right. that's the idea here is this: not only are you having eternal life after you die, after Christ returns, but you you have life now. That's a quality of life, mm-hmm. and it pours into the one to come. That's right. It's a continuation. Yeah, I you know. One of the the abuses I've got on this interpretation of 623, Mm -hmm. um, when I do get some kickback on it, I ask him to turn over to Romans 8, where Paul mentions the same two concepts again. And if we look at the verse, it can't be referring to um, going to heaven and hell. And in 8, as he's continuing to talk to them about sanctification and, and mortification and these other things, He says in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Then he says this in 13, If you live after the flesh, you will die. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's referring to hell, that either means we earn our salvation or it means we can lose it. Right. That would contradict everything Paul has argued in Romans. Right. So there he is very clearly talking about the deadly consequences of sin that Christians can experience. And then he says, but if you through the Spirit 
do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. Oh, you mean I earn salvation by mortifying the deeds? No, of course not. You're going to grow in that quality of eternal life. That is basically exactly what he says in 23, yeah. chapter 6. Yeah, I would, I would encourage our listeners to draw a line between that text, that verse and the verse we just looked at because it's exactly what's happening. Oh, it is. And I, I don't know anybody I've ever talked to other than you know some rank Arminian that would interpret 813 as being a heaven and hell verse. Right. So as we wrap this up and where we land our plane, we like to do that. And I think we've done it a good chunk already. When we teach this passage, if we're teaching this to our to a congregation, our point is, and tell me if I'm wrong, but our point is we're talking about sanctification. We're talking about progressive. You are cooperating through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the study of your word, to put the things to death that are fleshly. Like I said, you're keeping a close watch on yourself, like Paul says in Timothy. You are, like Paul says later in verse 12 of chapter 8, you're putting to death or put, sorry, verse 13, you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh so that you may live by the Spirit. It's the idea that it's it's not about salvation. It's about walking in, I'm going to use the word holiness. Mm. Paul later says walking worthy of the gospel. Right. It's that kind of passage. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the way you've put it is good in the sense that I think there are a lot of Christians who, I don't know where we get this impression. Maybe it's the way the gospel is presented to us or whatever, but we kind of have this impression we can just kind of turn everything over to the Lord or make some kind of commitment or walk down an aisle or pray a prayer or something. But Paul makes it very clear that this is something in which we need to be engaged. You mentioned mortification. You mentioned walking, which suggests our activity. Um, and we're capable of sinning, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. And we know that sin can come to dominate us we make the wrong decisions continually. Yep. So I, I think, as you've said, this is a sanctification passage. It's something in which we're involved, and it's it's a it's something we all need to remind ourselves of every day. At least I know I do. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, well, thank you for that question. As always, you can submit questions to the Baba Guys at babaguyspodcast at gmail.com. You could also hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at babaguyspod, same username for both. Make sure to also like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platforms so that you can get new content sent to you as it's updated. We try to drop episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. to make your morning commute easier. For Jerry Hollinger, I'm Rick Connor. We'll see you next time.